Why does it even matter if we know our neighbors are not? I mean, they are the most proximate things to our most precious things, our, our pets but, and our children. But why do we need to even know them? Does it even matter? I was talking with a church member who had lived on the same cul-de-sac for over 20 years and didn't have a close relationship with the neighbors. And some of y'all are probably like this as well. You know their name, and then you also know when they bring up their trash can for trash day and when they fail to bring it back. How soon thereafter. We're a family like that. We usually wait way too long. But anyway, this church member was telling me that when the pandemic happened and they had been, they were kind of hunkered down in their house, that they, one of her neighbors said, you know what, we've got to know that, we've got to know these people. These are the only people we were seeing. And, and so they decided they would host a driveway happy hour. And they invited everybody on the street and they didn't know, it might just be the two couples and their lawn chairs sitting there. And everybody showed up. Everybody showed up, and so that was three years ago. What began as people that lived next to each other are now community. From sharing things like, you know, I need some baking soda, to caring and watching out for each other's yards and children as they are playing, it has become this something way beyond more than what they had ever expected could happen in that time. So does it matter? Well, it does matter, and I could say it would enhance your life, but you need to know that it matters because it matters to God. From the beginning of the stories in the book of Genesis all the way till the end of Revelation, God is particularly concerned about what type of relationship we are in with our neighbors. When you look at one of the first couples in Scripture, Abraham and Sarah, they are sent to Egypt because there's a famine in the land, and they're married. And on their way, before they get to the Pharaoh, Abram tells his wife, I want you to act like you're my sister, because they are going to be afraid of us as neighbors. And if they think that we are husband and wife, they will kill me, and they will take you. And so when they get there, they know we have, they're not going to be greeted with a casserole and banana bread by the Egyptians. And so they tell Pharaoh, this is my sister. And Pharaoh, do you know what he does? He takes her as his own wife into his own house. And Abraham gets set up. He's got land. He's got flocks. He's good. Oh, yeah, but his wife lives with another person. When it is found out that that is actually his wife, then they are exiled. They're sent away. Fast forward years, you've got Isaac and Rebekah and come into the land of the Philistines. They are now neighbors with another type of people and everything is good until Isaac ends up developing a lot of good flocks and has a lot of land and he becomes a threat to the Philistines. And so then the two of them are then exiled. This type of behavior goes on and off, enemy, neighbor, enemy, neighbor, neighbor, friend. How are we supposed to be in relationship with one another? And then when Joseph, he knows, he predicts for the Pharaoh, he predicts for the king of Egypt that there will be seven years of plenty and seven years of want. The king takes this Israelite and he makes him the highest. He makes him the ruler over all Egypt. And so Israelites and Egyptians, they live beautifully together until all of a sudden, Israelites end up proliferating. In other words, they're making lots of babies. 
And the, the Pharaoh, a new Pharaoh, rises up and is scared because if the Israelites continue to proliferate like this, they will become too powerful for us. And then overnight, the Israelites went from neighbor to slave. And that went on for 400 years. Our text that we're gonna pick up on today is what happens after 400 years of living in a certain culture, living as slaves, being afraid of your neighbor. And then God's gonna say, no, we're gonna do neighboring differently. You, you and your people have lived as neighbors where it's always been a threat. It has always been about defense. And now we are gonna do as the people of God, as we, the chosen people, we are gonna do something different. And this is what he tells them. Before he tells them the law, he says this. He says, you are my people. You are my chosen ones of the covenant. If you obey my voice and you keep it, indeed, the whole earth is mine, God says, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. You are mine. And you are not just mine. You are not just everyday people. He uses this word. He says, you are people of the covenant. And as people of the covenant, you will be holy. Now, holy didn't mean pious. It, it didn't mean they did everything right or they did everything perfect because God knows none of us can do that. It meant the way that you live, it's going to be peculiar. You are going to live in a way that is different than that 400 years that you have just experienced in Egypt. You are going to be different. You are going to be set apart. And then the ways that he tells the people of faith, there are going to be ways that you do this specifically. And he gives them the Ten Commandments. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So as we prepare to hear God's word, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that is ancient and relevant, that it is about a people that are so far removed from all the stuff we experience today, and yet things are still so much the same. So God, as we hear this ancient word, help us to lean into what it means to be your peculiar, holy, set-apart people, people of the covenant. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This comes from the book of Exodus. These are the last two. This is commandment nine and 10 from the 10 commandments. Hear now the word of our Lord. God says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's commandment nine. Commandment 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female slave, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the Israelites are given this law, it is intended as a guide. It's intended to be something that really helps them, almost like pillows, like do these things and it will be easier for you, but do these things because you have been called to be peculiar and set apart. We're going to do life in a different way than the way all the other people around us. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It just makes you different. It just makes you peculiar. It makes you mine. You are people of the covenant. To be in covenant with one another, it, it means to be an ally with. 
It, it means to say, I am on your team, God. God is not on our team. We are aligning ourselves with the holy, the majestic, the all-powerful God who's rooted from the very beginning, has always been rooted and based in love. And so as God's covenant people, God is constantly saying, align with me. Align with me. This is what it means to be a covenant people. And for that, I just find it so remarkable that two of the 10 things that he says align with me on, they have to do with neighboring. There's only one other relationship that God references in the 10 commandments. Do y'all remember what it is? The fifth commandment? Honor your father and mother. Outside of honor your father and mother, it is only the neighbor. It doesn't read this. It doesn't read, you shall not bear false witness against or covet the things of your children or the things of your friends or the things of your spouse or of your boss or of your enemy. It says your neighbor. There is something peculiar about this word. It comes from the Hebrew word raye. And the word re that makes up that word means to pasture. Because this is an agrarian society in ancient Israel, the people that were your neighbors were the people that you shared pasture with. You're out there tending sheep and oh, you come up against someone else that is tending sheep. Or here's where your, your crops are and you share a water source with your neighbors. These are the people that are proximate to you that is rooted in sharing resources. That is what it meant to be a neighbor, this mutual interdependence upon one another. For 400 years, you see, it was so different. For 400 years, the Israelites had not lived in neighborly relations with the Egyptians. They had lived as slaves. They had lived and witnessed a culture that was not a covenant culture. It was a culture of coveting. If the Pharaoh wanted something, he could take it. And that had trickled down. Anything that someone wanted, they could go seize and take it. That's this idea of coveting, is that I see what someone else has, and I not just want it, but I will go and I will take it. And we see this lived out most dramatically when, when the Pharaoh is, is so threatened by the fact that the Israelites are having so many babies, and do you remember what he tells the midwives to do? He tells the midwives to kill the male babies. He goes so far, his coveting goes so far that he is willing to kill newborn babies. This is the culture that for 400 years the Israelites have been steeped in, and God is saying to them, we are not going to do neighboring in that way. We are not going to lie to bear false witness against our neighbors. We are not going to covet. We are not going to see things that we like and take it. We, as a peculiar people, we are going to do this very differently. When God provides manna for them in the desert, we see that they're, they're, they're still learning. They don't quite know because God has to give them specific rules. He says, when I provide the manna, make sure you go out and only get what you need. Do not get more, do not get less, because in a culture of coveting, you just get and get and get and take and take, and what happens to that manna that is not eaten up? It gets maggots in it. It gets, it gets foul. 
And so we realize God is trying to teach them this new way, this peculiar way of doing neighboring. This is why it matters. It matters how we treat our neighbors because it mattered to God enough to include two of the 10 to give us instructions specifically about how we are supposed to treat them. Our God is a peculiar God. Think about what type of God, amen. What type of God would be like, I love you so much, I'm going to die for you even though I don't know you. That is peculiar. That is a, but we have been called to be the peculiar people. And one of the most peculiar things we have been called to do that will set us apart, it will. It, will be, it might make us be called odd, is to be good neighbors. Hear this quote by the Quaker professor, James Bryan Smith. He says, to be a Christian is to be peculiar. If I begin telling the truth to the people in my life, I will become odd. If I can learn to slow down, if I can learn to live without being ruled by anger, if I can learn to actually pray for people who try to cut me down, I will be considered weird because this world does not work this way. Only people who are steeped in the kingdom of God can begin living this way and there are far too few. I have to think that thousands and thousands of years ago, this is what God was thinking about the Israelite people. We're gonna be odd. I'm giving you these instructions to set you apart and it will be peculiar, but I am a peculiar God and we are gonna do things differently. Of all of the places that you have lived, where you spent the night last night and woke up this morning, it, it, it's something. For some reason, you are there, whether you are in a rental, whether you are in your dream house, whether you are about to move, whether you are living with your children or your adult children are living with you. It is particular, and God cares about where you live right now because for some reason, you are there, and the people that live around you, for some reason, are there at the same time, and you're pasturing together. It, it's not an accident. And we have been tasked to pasture alongside our neighbors in ways that do not bear false witness and that do not covet, but are rooted and grounded in, in this idea of love, this boundless love that God provides for us. So why does it matter what type of relationship with, with our neighbors we are in? It matters because it matters to God, it, period. It is something that God is very considerate of, considerate of because we are a covenant people, not a covet people. We are people of the covenant, not people who covet. And God says, you have been called to be a priestly kingdom, a holy nation, a peculiar and odd people. May it be so in my life and in yours.